You are listening to Reach MD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. In 1992, after the verdict of the Rodney King trial, there were six days of rioting in South Los Angeles. There were thousands of injuries, 53 deaths, and approximately $1 billion in property damage. One positive response to the riots was the formation of a new healthcare clinic in South LA founded by Muslim medical students hoping to serve a community in need. The clinic continues to serve to this day. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and with us today is Dr. Yasser Aman, President and CEO of the University Muslim Medical Association Clinic, based in Los Angeles. Welcome, Dr. Aman. Hello. Dr. Aman, tell us about those students who were so inspired to help the L.A. community after that devastation of the riots in 1992 that they formed the clinic. Well, I think it was a neighborhood or community-wide shock of just seeing our own neighborhoods literally under flames. And I think it was an interesting kind of transition from this perspective of these medical students that really felt that, wow, they're about to embark and go off into a, a career in medicine. And, and they realized that, well, what better opportunity is to just basically to help people now and not necessarily wait till they graduate. So the other kind of area where the students really reflected was that this is not necessarily just a humanitarian reaction or support to their neighbors. It was an expression of their own faith, being all of them Muslim Americans, born and raised here. They wanted to help out. They basically wanted to help out a community that ne- did not necessarily have a you know, religious or ethnic connection with them, but they had a human connection. And I think that speaks a lot to how many efforts can really get off the ground if people work on common issues. Right. How did their faith, their Muslim faith, help guide the formation of the clinic? One of the key pillars of Islam is this concept of zakat, which is actually giving back to the community, which is a shared value in all faiths of upholding social justice in taking care of the needy and the poor. And it was through that that they felt that the Muslim community had to go beyond just donating and giving back in in episodic ways. But it was the evolution of the community to actually start building institutions to do just that. And I think what was kind of the new angle in the Muslim American history in their recent history here is that this was one of the first Muslim clinics to help the people predominantly not from the Muslim faith. And so that was a critical affirmation of just the values of helping people regardless of, you know, faith and creed and where they come from. Mm -hmm. Creating a community clinic is not an easy endeavor. And these were students. How did they go about creating funding and actually just physically building this clinic? Well, a lot of times there would be many pizza nights at people's living rooms trying to figure out how do you pass the exam and then at the same time try to deal with the city of Los Angeles and, and building permits and things like that. It was definitely a challenge. In fact, some of them actually had to postpone their own graduation from medical school to ensure that this clinic got off of the, off the ground. Its core roots came out of the UCLA student group. And so a lot of what they had was volunteer support, but it was predominantly the seven students that really got on the phone at whatever available time to talk to leaders, community leaders, and actually pharmaceutical companies and medical supply companies to try to get donations of equipment and so forth. And so they really, so it was a mixture between obviously commitment, tenacity, and just a lot of coffee <laughs> to stay awake. And it, that really is a high level of commitment on the part of these students. Are any of the seven still involved with the clinic? 
Oh, yes. A lot of them are sitting on either the advisory board or they're actually some of them are still board members. And some have just, you know, maybe a few just kind of moved a little bit away. But a lot of them are still very involved and are really helping the next class of board members and so forth to really understand what the true meaning of what they intended to, you know, when they started this clinic. Mm -hmm. They named the clinic the University Muslim Medical Association, but the acronym UMMA has meaning in Arabic. Yes, Umma means community in Arabic, and actually the root word of Umma is Um, which is mother, and that that was really just the relationship that we would re- that loving relationship between the mother and the child with compassion that this this clinic really wants to aspire to in, with respect to our community, and the actual university in the name really speaks to the core mission of the clinic, not only to help the medically underserved, but also because they were medical students to this day, it is. Is Oma's key mission to continue teaching and be a teaching site for UCLA School of Medicine and other residents as well. So we are still active in trying to hopefully inspire future physicians that will go out in the community by ha- having important exposure to poverty medicine and to let them know that this this is a project that can that came out of a reality of just the ideas of a few wide-eyed medical students that wanted to make a difference in the world. So residents will spend some time there, or or is it perhaps a practicum site for some? Right. Specifically for medical students, they really wanted to target medical students because they felt that as medical students, when they started, felt that that was such a key part in a physician's beginning of their career of deciding where they wanted to go. And, And if anything, you know, if they had this type of exposure, it would be important. And it's interesting, you know, going 12 years later since the founding of the clinic, we now have some students or what you, ex volunteer students that came during the rotations and now they're coming to volunteer or they call back and they say, hey, I'm, I'm out in Virginia and because of my exposure to OMA Clinic, I'm, I'm volunteering at a local community health center. And so, it, you know, it's, it's things like that that just really make us feel that, that, you know, this important piece of the medical education serves as a, a kind of a broader impact way beyond our three-mile radius that we serve here. Yes. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and with us today is Dr. Yasser Aman, who is the president and CEO of the University Muslim Medical Association based in Los Angeles. Walk us through the clinic. What is the facility like and what services do they offer? Well, OMA is a federally qualified health center, and uh, what that, that basically translates is, is that we are a comprehensive medical home for a community from pediatrics all the way to adult medicine. And so we're primarily a family medicine model, but we provide preventive medicine as well. What you can access is, for example, women's health. We have cancer screenings, immunizations, health education. It's really a center where we try to do as much as we can in-house for our patients. The majority of our patients are adult uninsured, and often when they do need specialty care, they come through us and we try to connect them through a broader spectrum of care through the safety net here. But at OMA, we do have a dispensary. We, we provide medications and labs as any other outpatient clinic or outpatient facility. And we also provide ancillary type of services. For example, once a year, we provide, you know, the Muslim CPAs of the Southern California come together and do a t- free tax clinic. We have a reach out and read program to help inspire or initiate the discussion of literacy early on uh, among children. 
So OMA is a, we like to define and we try to aspire as a medical home where it's a regular source of care for a lot of, a lot of our patients. And if we can't provide it, then we just try to connect them to that particular specialty. Can you share a story to illustrate why the, this clinic has become so important to the community? One story that I that always comes to mind is, it's a very simple one. One morning when actually 10 years ago when I first started working here, there was a mother that came with her choking child, blue in the face and so forth, and she came running to the clinic. And she, she ran four blocks early in the morning, and she knocked on a door, and we tried to take care of her. We sent her sent the baby and mom to, to the hospital. But afterwards, she basically, you know, after we did the follow-up visit, she basically said that when this happened, I had nowhere else to go. The OMA clinic was their only source. And it was that experience, while it's very simple, it's an honor, but also a a trust from the OMA clinic's perspective or any community health center that this is that what we're providing is not just episodic care, but it's it's more of a relationship ties with the community that you know uh, if the most important people and relationships are valued, they bring those folks to to the clinic and help us so we can help them. And so it's that bond that really is something that uh, is really special here at OMA. Mm-hmm. And that really illustrates how the clinic has become a trusting entity for that community. How would you say that serving in the South LA area has had an impact on the Muslim personnel who, who are working in the clinic? Well, it's interesting. I think most of the folks that do work here, actually, we make a conscious effort of hiring from the local community. But we do have a mix of Muslim and non-Muslim employees. I think it's it's been an, a great dialogue and actually a great experience from even just the Muslim American community in general. Because we're pretty much a pioneering organization in the Muslim community, we often go into the community and actually teach them about how important it is and how rewarding it is to just go out and help others and help our neighbors and so forth. And and it's actually been a transforming experience. And often we're very grateful that, you know, OMA is recognized nationally in the country and often perceived as a poster child of social services in the Muslim American community. And so often faith communities try and strive to have a lot of dialogues and try to work with each other. And I often say that, you know, if you really want to see inner faith in action and just faith in action of just people working together, OMA is the place to be because when the founders started this clinic, they couldn't have done it without, for example, their Jewish program manager or their committed resident director that was Catholic. And so they stood on the shoulders of people who understood and connected on the human level and used faith as a connecting bond and did not use it as a divisive or something to separate one another. Mm-hmm. It sounds overwhelmingly positive. After 9-11, some Muslims in the U.S. were targets of hostility or misunderstanding. What was the experience for those at the clinic? It was actually the opposite. I mean, we had a lot of calls from both civic leaders, community leaders, interfaith leaders right afterwards and said, if you need anything, let us know. And I think that spoke to, because UMA started, you know, before 9-11, the importance of of creating organic relationships is key to build that trust. And, and so right after that, it was it was a supportive environment, and we were always asked, and, you know, even, even the local city council person asked for additional police patrols and so forth. So it was very welcoming, and, and it was actually that, that after that point that OMA Clinic really wanted to step up in terms of 
just really providing a human face to Islam because it was it was really, in many ways, you know, the Muslim Americans felt that their religion was being hijacked. And Ummah was one way or one tool to help connect people to say that this is not, this is not who we are. So that relationships have been so strong. Finances sometimes are difficult when running um, a clinic such as this one. And I know in 2000, there was some trouble, but a great effort from the Muslim community to rally for the clinic. Can you tell us about that? Right. I know in medical school, they don't necessarily teach business planning and performance and all that stuff. And so when the medical students, you know, had to move on, you know, the founding medical students, they didn't necessarily think beyond the first grant that they got from the city. And we were in trouble. And at that point, actually, from 1996 to 2000, the project was somewhat working just from the student level and not necessarily completely connected to the Muslim community. And in 2000 was the first time we actually went out to the Muslim community and say, hey, we need some, we need help. And in one night in November, we raised around $384,000 from people coming from, a thousand people coming from all the way from San Diego, all the way to from Santa Barbara up north. And it was a gesture and a commitment that the Muslim community has matured to the level of wanting to give back to their own backyard and moving beyond building institutions of faith and schools, but building institutions of social service. It's a rough road. I mean, providing a very expensive product like healthcare to a very sick population isn't easy. And so our partnership with the Muslim community is extremely important and creating that relationship through fundraisers and so forth. But also, we made it a, a conscious effort to not burden one community to fund one project. And so we, we diversified. We started connecting and, and establishing core relationships with foundations and also the city and county contracts as well. But it is a struggle. You become more and more sensitive to you know the whims of state budgets and county budgets and things like that. But it's through that relationships with the private donors and recently, in the past two or three years, we have actually broken into non-Muslim donors, people from the Jewish faith, Catholic faith, and so forth, that obviously see value in, in helping people in the community. Are there any thoughts to opening UMA clinics across the United States? It takes a while to solidify an organization. And, and so we're still in that growth phase. So what we plan to do is really just expand our current site from a, a six-exam room clinic to a 10-exam room clinic to accommodate for 4,000 more visits a year. We recently, in August 2008, became federally funded, and so that provides opportunities to potentially open other sites. Thank you for listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest has been Dr. Yasser Aman, President and CEO of the University Muslim Medical Association Clinic based in Los Angeles. Thank you, Dr. Aman. Thank you for the opportunity. You've been listening to Reach MD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Reach MD online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at reachmd.com and thank you for listening.